episode I do want to say that this episode is geared more towards a mature audience so parental advisory is recommended this isn't an episode for children to kind of listen into not yet that is I mean by all means you can make that decision after you have listened to this one but I definitely wanted to put that out there all of my other episodes are not on this wavelength Um, I am choosing this topic right now because it is heavy on my heart and my soul and I have given it some time before I even got close to this topic and many people do not even know the depths of this topic when it comes to my life, not even my closest family members. So for many, this is going to be the very first time that they hear such sensitive material So bear with me if I get choked up a little. I shouldn't. I've came a long way and I've meditated a lot on my past traumas. And so this episode is going to be geared towards sexual trauma and abuse. Now, there are quite a few terms with this subject like sexual assault, harassment, molestation, but it all boils down to unwanted or non-consensual gross sexual behavior. Globally, approximately 18 to 19% of women and 8% of men disclose being sexually abused during their childhood. So these are just the numbers of the ones actually speaking up about their abuse. Approximately 30% of sexual abuse offenders are relatives of the child. So fathers, uncles, or cousins. Around 60% are other acquaintances, so friends of the family, babysitters, or even neighbors. And me personally, it was a cousin, a neighbor, and a family friend. So these are three different individuals. But the family member was the beginning of my childhood sexual trauma. At the age of nine years old, I had a male cousin that would babysit me when my mother would go to work. Now... It was initially my aunt-in-law, his mother, that was supposed to be babysitting me, but for whatever reason, she would leave for long periods of time. And I don't really remember if it was for work or whatever the case may be, but I just remember being left alone with my cousin, who at the time was 15 years old. He was my babysitter, and he wasted no time in grooming me. And please know that grooming can happen at any age, but I am going to focus on child sexual grooming. Child sexual grooming is basically befriending and establishing an emotional connection with a child and sometimes the family. And it's to 
lower the child's inhibitions with the objective of sexual abuse. And the offender usually tries to understand the minor's weaknesses and emotional neediness and they realize there's a lack of parental supervision and they try to just become a person that fills these needs and becomes what seems to be an important person in the child's life. So they tend to buy the child gifts and give them a lot of what at times is already lacking in the child's life and that is personal attention and affection. See, my cousin, he didn't buy me any gifts, but he did give me lots of candy, which now is really the reason why I truly do not like or care for candy. And I never really did after him. I mean, not only is it unhealthy, but it takes me to a place that isn't so sweet. He also played with me outside. He tried to teach me how to skateboard because that was what he was so good at. And he just, he spent time with me until I got comfortable enough with him and as soon as he felt I was where he needed me to be emotionally, he began making remarks about my body. Even though I was nine years old, I was very developed for my age, which obviously didn't help the situation any, but it also was not my fault. But he had a lot to say about my breast and how they were big and they look so nice and soft. I mean, at nine years old, I, I knew it wasn't okay for him to make those remarks in a sense, but he said it in ways that seemed nice, in ways that almost made me feel better about myself because I wasn't built like an average nine-year-old girl. Also, growing up with a grandmother that did nothing but talk about how fat I was and how I need to lose weight and how if I keep gaining weight I won't be able to fit through a door she just really didn't help the cause but statements like these program the brain for self-hate and lack of self-esteem and it opens the door for vulnerability it opens the door even wider for sexual predators because like my cousin sexual predators begin by trying to make you feel either really good about your image or they can even make you feel not so good about your image and try to sneak in telling you that only they would find you as attractive and so forth. So soon after my cousin started with the image remarks, he asked to touch my breasts, but he asked at the same time he started reaching and touching. So I didn't even have a chance to answer, nor did I even react. I was frozen at that very moment. And I just knew things would never be the same. And I wasn't quite sure what I could do to change that. That was it for day one of many. You would think as soon as my aunt got home or I got picked up that I would tell, but I didn't. I went home and I convinced myself it was okay because he also told me, that it was okay. He said, all cousins do this. And I believed him. And honestly, I didn't grow up close to any of my male cousins. He was basically it. 
So next time I went over, he did the same thing. Only this time he told me to sit on the couch so we could watch a grown-up movie. And he promised not to tell my mom and that it was going to be our little secret. And he puts on a pornographic movie and says to me, if you tell your mom, you will get in trouble. So just watch it and just know it's okay because all cousins do this. Just keep it between us. What's even more sick about it is that the title of the movie was something along the lines of like when cousins attract, something like that. But as it was showing, he would tell me that we were going to try some of the things that these cousins were trying. He wanted me to see the movie so that I could tell him what I think I would want to try with him. It was one of the most stomach-turning and scariest moments for me. I couldn't even talk. I never told him what I wanted to try because I didn't want to try anything. But I was scared to speak up. It's like I no longer had a voice. He kept playing the movie time and time again when I would come over. And then he finally started to touch me inappropriately. Very very inappropriately and I'll just leave that right there but I I started acting out at home I would get so angry with my mother when it was time to go over to his house and she couldn't understand why I didn't want to go and I couldn't understand why I couldn't tell her why I didn't want to go it was a nightmare eventually I no longer went over to his house thank god but I don't even remember why I didn't have to go anymore. I just remember the relief of me knowing that I was never going over there again for him to babysit me. The thing is, very soon after all those days of sexual abuse, what is also called molestation, I started to realize that something wasn't okay with me and something wasn't okay with my mind. I started to really be attracted to older boys and I even wanted to watch more adult movies. I started finding them on TV. I even went as far as purchasing them off of the TV and not knowing because again I'm nine years old not knowing that my mother would get a statement in the mail for her cable bill and it would show all the titles and how much and it was a lot. It was disturbing how many I remember the disgust and the anger from my mother towards me, but still the truth of why never came out of my mouth. I just was known as the little fast girl, the promiscuous, the fresh, whatever words you can think of that a nine-year-old girl shouldn't be called. Um, I was, I was called those names and more and it didn't help me by all means it just continued me on a path that I am not proud of but I know it's a part of me and I am thankful that I am who I am today and I do know because everything I have endured I do have the courage and the bravery and the strength to be who I am today um would I change it absolutely but I can't So I'm doing the best that I can. Anywho, there was this 15-year-old 
boy down the street and he was basically a neighbor not directly next door but he was a neighbor he was close enough he would come around a lot because he liked my sister and well they were closer in age so it made sense that he liked her but my sister could care less about him he would ask me for help to get her to like him and I would get so mad because I wanted him to like me because I liked him since all that happened with my cousin and I, it did force this unknown maturity of myself. To me, because I went through that, I felt I was older. I realized I knew things kids my age didn't. So I don't want to be around those kids because they don't understand. And I figured I wanted to hang out with older kids that may understand these sexual desires or curiosity that I had. I wanted to hang with those older kids, which all it did was make me grow up faster and faster. So I would write this boy letters telling him how I liked him and I wanted to be his girlfriend and I wouldn't tell no one that we were a couple if he gave me a chance because I did know I was young and I didn't want to get him in trouble. He ignored me for a while, but one night I remember him sitting outside the stairs of my house with me and him telling me that he does like me and he's just scared because he's 15, which is six years older than me and it really isn't okay. But he proceeded to say that I should come over at night when everyone is asleep and he told me when he turns his porch light on that I could sneak over. Well, what did lost and vulnerable nine-year-old me do? I snuck over to his house and I was excited that he wanted me finally, that he wanted to hang out with me and little did I know he didn't want me He wanted my body. He didn't want my company. Like I wanted to hang out. He wanted more. In my mind, all I could think about is my cousin. And I convinced myself if it was okay with my cousin to do grown up things, then it should be okay to do it with someone I like this time. But it wasn't okay. And as I laid on his living room floor, I was like crunched between a couch and this glass table And he was a bigger guy. I was little. I mean, I'm still little, but I was little (laughs) compared to him. And he was on top of me. And I I realized at that moment, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to go any further. I was scared. But in return, he wasn't going to stop. He covered my mouth and he told me that his mom was upstairs. So I needed to be quiet. He said, You basically was asking for this. Now it's the time. And well, he took my virginity. As soon as he was done, he rushed me outside. He told me to keep it between us, that he loves me and he will see me tomorrow. I stood there in disbelief. It happened so fast. And then he just, he shut the door. And I remember it was cold outside. It was February 19th. And I believe the year was 2000, whatever year that was that I was nine, but it was February 19th. I will never forget that date because on that day, my innocence was completely ripped away. So now not only was my mind not going to be the same, but my body no longer would be either. And 
I remember sitting on my back stairs of my house crying and I wanted help and I had no idea on how to get it. Yet again, I am in a place of feeling embarrassed, feeling nasty, feeling dirty. And to top that all off, I was having physical pain from what had just happened to me. I snuck back inside my house and I changed my clothes and I remember taking my underwear and my pants that I wore and putting them in a grocery bag and hiding them under my bed until I eventually threw them away. Well, the next day came and he was nowhere to be found. He didn't talk to me for like a week. He acted as if he was mad at me, like I had done something wrong. Then he wrote me a letter saying what happened never happened. And if I want him to stick around, that I needed to forget about what happened. As if that was even humanly possible. Because believe me, if I could have forgotten about it, um, I would have in a heartbeat. I just felt like I was such a disappointment. I felt like my mom wouldn't love me anymore or none of my family if they found out about not only my cousin, but about the boy that took my virginity at nine years old. So I stayed quiet and eventually I became, for the lack of better terms, a demon child. I started acting up in school really bad. I started smoking. By the age of 11, I was full-blown sexually active. And I even started to like girls. I had boyfriends. I had girlfriends. I was the definition of a fast, promiscuous child. My family would talk about me amongst other family members and even to me. But it's like no one thought to get me help. They thought that disciplining me would be the way to control me, but it made it worse. It's like in my mind, I would say, how am I getting in trouble for something that happened to me? Because of the sexual molestation and rape, I am who I am. I got angry because I just wanted my mom to know without me having to tell her. I felt if she loved and cared about me enough, she would know. She would know what was wrong. She would know that I was screaming for help and I was scared of telling anyone, especially her. All I ever wanted to do was make my mother proud and all I ever succeeded in doing as a child and early adolescence was just letting her down. I was great at that. So I knew if I told her the truth, she would really be disappointed in me. It was a war zone in my mind and in my body. My mind and my body were two of the scariest places to live in. And there was nothing I could do to escape it. And the only thing that I found that helped me at the time was getting high. And honestly, just being more sexually active. But there came a day that I couldn't take it. And I ended up telling my mother about my cousin. And well, she was fresh out of a major surgery. She was laying down in the back room of my grandmother's house. And she was not very coherent of what I was saying. But none of that mattered to me. All I felt was that she didn't care. That it didn't matter what he did. Then I thought, well, maybe it was okay. For him to have done all of that but I couldn't understand if it was okay 
then why doesn't it feel that way? Why do I want to escape my life? Why am I so angry? Why am I so lost and dramatic and emotional and impulsive? And why are other girls my age not like me? So because I couldn't answer any of my questions, nor could anyone else answer them, I tried to commit suicide. And my attempt was more like my last yell for help. I remember that day so vividly. And I remember I didn't really want to take my life. I just wanted help. And I just remember I had this uh, picture hanging up in my room of me as a baby. And I remember taking the picture and breaking it and taking a piece of the glass and just holding it against my neck. And I knew I wasn't going to penetrate my skin or any of that. But of course, my mother took it serious as she should have. And she called the police and the police came and I was taken to a behavioral health clinic. So basically the loony house. And it was really late at night. I had gotten there. All the you know kids were sleeping that were already there. Um, it was dark. It was eerie. And I had to stay there for some time so I can get you know evaluations done and get some professional help. And that place was filled with other kids that were suicidal. And I remember their cure for all of us was medication. And that medication, I just pretended to take. I refused to take medication because I didn't understand how a pill could take away my problems. I really had a problem with being told what to do. I wanted to control everything about my life because I refused to let someone else hurt me. And once the people that worked there finally thought that I was okay to go home, I went home and I started therapy and I told my therapist why I tried to commit suicide. And the root of it all led to sexual abuse. And she had to tell my mother, of course, because it was the law and still is. And I was okay with it. She even asked me like, do you want to tell her? Do you want me to tell her? And I told her, I already told my mother, so you can tell her. Maybe hearing it from you, it would resonate a little better with her since it didn't the first time. Well, we all sat down and she told my mom what I told her and my mom started crying and I started crying, but I was so confused. Like, why are you crying now and not when I told you? And that's when she explained the surgery and the anesthesia and not being coherent enough to comprehend what I was saying, but that she completely comprehends it now and she's sorry and I accepted the apology, but I also realized that it didn't change, that it had happened to me. And the fact that following that event that they are now aware of, what also had happened to me by the boy from down the street. And mind you, I didn't even say anything about him and until this day, I regret not doing so. I really needed to speak up on that and I didn't. And because I didn't, my rebellion acts continued. 
I got a little better for a short period of time. And it was only because I was put on an antidepressant pill called Celexa. And I decided to take this pill because I realized maybe this is the cure for me. I've told my mother now, my therapist knows, I'm kind of gaining the support system that I truly need and desire and want and crave. So if taking this pill is going to amp up already the good that's happening, why not take it? But all that pill did was make me eat and sleep. So I didn't have time to be bad nor did I have time to even really heal because I was just sleeping. I would go to school, come home, eat, go to sleep, go to school, come home, eat, go to sleep. And then I started smoking again and now I started drinking and I was just getting into things that I shouldn't have been getting into at any age, especially not early teenage years. So here I am at the age of 15 and I was meeting up with who was at the time my best friend and I was meeting her at her house to practice for her sweet 15 and I got to her house before anyone else It was going to be a group of us going to you know going to be rehearsing we had this little you know dance for her sweet 15 really cool situation but we had to practice for it well I made it there first no one was there but her dad. So he let me in and just said for me to wait inside until everyone got there. And I was okay with that because in my mind, her dad was extremely nice and I had been around him plenty of times. It was never any issues, you know. Of course, I had never been around him by myself, but I didn't see the problem, you know. So I went inside and I sat down and he sat down next to me and immediately I got this anxious feeling in my stomach and the atmosphere got really awkward and then he asked me if I had a boyfriend and I said yes and he asked me if I kissed my boyfriend and I said yes and then he asked me to show him how I kissed my boyfriend and he said he wanted to make sure that I knew how to kiss and I looked at him crazy and in my head I could just hear my therapist telling me if anything ever happens again if you feel uncomfortable at any point throughout your life speak up right then and there so I did I told him no I don't want to kiss you I'm not going to kiss you and he was like come on and laughing as if it was just a joke and I didn't laugh he seen I was serious I was disgusted actually like my goodness is this really happening to me again like really I'm just looking at him like you have no idea what I have already endured with situations like this. And here you are, a father of three girls, a husband, and you're asking a 15-year-old girl to kiss you. I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And then he got up and he went to go use the restroom and I laid down on the couch because I figured if I went, well, pretended to go to sleep, he wouldn't bother me. Yeah, right. He came out of the bathroom with his pants unbuckled and my face was facing where, you know, I could see that he was coming out. But I, I turned my head to the other side and just acted as if I didn't even see that he was standing there just staring at me. And he walks up to me and he starts to massage my shoulders. And I was so nervous. 
I knew I could not let anything happen to me. I had to protect myself. Since he was only massaging my shoulders, I didn't freak out on him. But then he sat on top of me and I was laying on my stomach. So he sat on my derriere and he slowly started thrusting on me and I freaked out. I yelled at him, get off of me. I called my best friend. I told her to please hurry up. I have to tell her something very important. And she got there within, it was like five minutes if I recall. And when she got there, I told her what happened. And I told her younger sister and I told her mother. I remember sitting in the hallway of her house. I was sitting on the stairs to go upstairs. Uh, My best friend and her sister was sitting next to me. Her mother was standing in front of me and I told them. And my best friend sat next to me and she cried with me. She cried on my shoulder and she whispered in my ear that she believed me. The only one that didn't believe me and made an excuse at that time for him saying he massages his daughters and I took it the wrong way. And he's, you know, always touchy feely like that. He didn't mean it in no way that I'm taking it. But it was their mom. She didn't believe me. It was such an uncomfortable situation yet again. But this time, I spoke up. This time, I felt a little bit more confident. And I felt a little bit more stronger. I didn't feel bad. I felt relieved. But what set me back was that I told my mom. And she also took the side of their mom. She also made it seem as he really didn't mean it that way. As if I wasn't the one that had to go through it. Just because he was such a nice guy and didn't seem capable of committing such an act, he got away with it, just like my cousin. And of course, the one that took my virginity because I never told anyone. Honestly, not until now will anyone really know about the reality of when and how my virginity was lost. I'm choosing to speak about it in the form of a podcast episode because I know I'm not alone. I have researched so much about all that I have gone through and I found out, unfortunately, how common sexual abuse amongst children is. And once I found out I was not alone, my confidence slowly started to grow. My healing journey, which has been very long and at many times very rough, so rough to where I feel like I digressed a little, but I can say throughout all my self-help and just hard work on my soul and my spirit and my mind and my body, I am confident enough and brave to share my story. I once felt I was the only one going through my pain and suffering and confusion, but I wasn't. And that helped me so much. So I just want to help others that are like me. I want to be that reminder, that light bulb for people who are in a dark place. I want to be the person that I needed. I am now that person for me. And it would be extremely selfish of me to keep my story and my journey to myself. The true ugly side of sexual abuse is the effects. Child sexual abuse can not only have short-term harm, but it also can have long-term harm, including psychopathology. And psychopathology 
is just the study of abnormal cognitions, behaviors, and experiences, all of which can show up later in life. So for instance, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, which something else about me, I was bulimic from the ages of 18 to about 22. And bulimic is just when you make yourself vomit after eating so that you don't gain weight. So there's eating disorders, there's poor self-esteem, there's sleep disturbances, PTSD. And as far as for a child, they may start sucking their thumb again, or they may start wetting the bed. But the strongest indication of sexual abuse is acting out sexually and inappropriate sexual knowledge and interest. Victims tend to withdraw from school and social activities and may exhibit various learning and behavioral problems, including cruelty to animals, ADHD, ODD, teenage pregnancy, which I had my firstborn at 17. Child sexual abuse victims report almost four times as many incidences of self-inflicted harm. Males who are sexually abused as children more frequently appear in the criminal justice system than in a clinical mental health setting. Studies have found that 51% to 79% of sexually abused children exhibit psychological systems. And that's why I say it's the ugliest part. The risk of harm is greater if the abuser is a relative and those that have a very supportive family environment tend to have a better outcome when it comes to sexual abuse. So it's important to pay attention to your children, to realize the signs, to realize if someone is grooming or trying to groom you to get to your child or groom your child without you around. If your child is speaking to you about, you know, their cousin always there and They say that, you know, their cousin is saying, oh, I'm their favorite and they're buying them gifts and they're just please be mindful of these activities. Make it known that you are aware, set boundaries, be bold, be brave, because it can only help in the long run. It it can't harm. And I'm actually going to be posting a video. So if you're not really aware of the signs and things to look for, I definitely recommend you to watch the video. I'll post it on my social media pages. As a child, no matter the level of abuse, it causes stress, traumatic stress to be specific. And this stress causes notable changes in brain functioning and development. In 2006, Navalta et al. found that the self-reported SAT scores of their sample of women with a history of repeated child sexual abuse were significantly lower than the self-reported math SAT scores of those that were non-abused. They hypothesized that the low math SAT scores could stem from a defect in the hemispheric integration. And hemispheric integration is the activation of both the left and the right hemispheres of the brain. When hemisphere integration is poor, there is decreased communication between the right and the left sides of the brain. So basically, an abused person's brain is proven to not only look, 
but it's proven to function differently than a non-abused person's brain. If you are a person that has gone through childhood abuse or even as an adult, let now be the time for you to unscrew your burned light bulb and replace it with a brighter one. Let now be the time where you no longer let your past darken your here and now. Let now be the time that you truly recognize that all those unmannerable and rebellious acts you committed when you were younger were justified and it was okay because what happened to you wasn't okay and you don't need to be sorry for anything that happened to you or feel bad for your abusers or carry any type of guilt because it wasn't your fault. And with that, I'm going to close this episode. Man, um, this one was really deep for me and I contemplated it. I contemplated as I was writing um, if I should share some of the things and you only live once. So I am no longer holding back on anything when it comes to my life. And if it feels right for me and I know it's not going to cause harm to me physically, mentally, emotionally, and it's only going to better me and my surroundings and potentially help others, I'm not holding back from anything that I carry inside, especially when it comes to knowledge. So thank you guys for listening. I know this was kind of a longer episode, my longest um, for sure. Thank you to my supporters. If you would like to donate to my podcast, you can cash at me at dollar sign faith over fear no e and over you can email me if you have any questions or concerns you can find me on my social media platforms at life is everywhere podcast and my email is life is everywhere podcast the number one at gmail.com and like i always say change your perspective change your attitude change your mind and you change your life i believe in you So believe in you too. Until next time, I'm out.